Welcome to studentofthebible.com. I'm your host, Renee, and I'm a Bible student. I'm glad you are, too. Thank you so much for joining. Pray for discernment and ask God to show you how you can share this information with others and be a blessing. Welcome to my podcast series on the Apostle Peter. As we take a look at the life of Peter, I want us to start to imagine what it was like 2,000 years ago for a young man to leave his family and his profession and follow a rabbi named Jesus. In the land of Palestine during the time of Jesus, we believe that there were perhaps 4 million people. At the time of Jesus' resurrection, before Pentecost, the book of Acts tells us there were only about 120 believers, 120 out of 4 million. To be an early follower of this Jewish rabbi from Nazareth, you were definitely in the minority. Today, according to Pew Research, Christianity is the world's largest religious group at 31.2% of the earth's 7.3 billion people. Would you have guessed that? Next is Islam, 24.1%. Unaffiliated, 16%. Hinduism, 15.1%. Buddhism, 6.9%. What they call folk religions, 5.7%. Point eight is just sort of miscellaneous. Judaism, 0.2%. Okay, so while as believers today, we may feel like we're in the minority and sort of counterculture, the odds were much worse 2,000 years ago that you would meet another believer, let alone be understood. The Bible tells us that Jesus' brothers didn't even believe and follow Jesus until after his resurrection. Can you imagine for a second the mother of James and Jude saying to them, Boys, stop fighting with Jesus. He's the son of God, you know. (laughs) So for the 12 apostles, it was a really big deal to give up their previous life and possibly face ridicule from their family and friends to follow this 30-year-old rabbi who, oh, by the way, claimed to be the son of God. This is the train of thought we're going to take as we dive into the life of Peter. We're going to work hard to try to put ourselves into his sandals and walk a few years with him during his life-changing journey of following Jesus. What we know about Peter is actually quite a bit more than the other apostles. First, we know that his name was Shimon, or Simon in English. And he's often referred to in the New Testament as Simon Peter. But for this study, we'll just refer to him by the name that Jesus gave him, Peter. We'll talk more about the amazing events around Jesus renaming Peter in our next podcast. Peter was born in Capernaum. Capernaum is on the northwestern shore of the Sea of Galilee in Israel. When I was in Israel, we visited the ruins of Peter's family home. There's now a church built on top of the ruins. And what's so cool is 
It's in the shape of a boat to mimic what Peter's boat may have looked like. Now, not far from this home in Capernaum are ruins of a synagogue where we believe Jesus taught. Capernaum is where Jesus spent a lot of time, and it's where he called his first apostles, including Peter, Matthew, Andrew, James, and John. Peter's mother, we believe, was Joanna, and his father was Jonah, or we would say John, same thing. Peter had a brother, Andrew, who also becomes one of the 12 apostles. Peter was born, we think, around 1 BC and died sometime around 67 AD under the Roman Emperor Nero. And in a subsequent podcast, we'll talk about some of the beliefs around how Peter died. As we study the life of Peter, I think you will be as struck as I am with how realistic the portrayal of Peter is in the Bible. Peter is not perfect. He is not without sin. He most likely uses bad language and is really rough around the edges. He's a regular, ordinary guy, which strikes me all the more as I consider the validity of the Bible. Peter's not the type of character you would make up when writing down the people that Jesus chose to follow him. If you or I were to choose someone to follow us, we'd most likely clean them up first, and you certainly wouldn't have them deny they knew you, not once, but three times. Yeah, Peter is an unlikely protagonist, and that's all the more reason why I find the Bible truthful and relatable. If God in human flesh chose someone like Peter to lead his church, pretty sure there's room for you and me as well. Let's take a look at this irascible, erratic, irritable, enigmatic, and unforgettable person of Peter the fisherman. You like that? I had fun writing that. Peter's story is our story. We get things wrong. We misunderstand Jesus. We have moments when we think we've got it all figured out and we're walking on water, so to speak. And then we look down and before we know it, we're sinking. We live like we know who Jesus is one minute and then in the next moment, we're denying his very existence. It's nothing short of miraculous. What kind of transformation Peter went through after knowing Jesus. As we look at the life of Peter, I'll challenge us to re-examine our own lives as followers of Christ and maybe to become a bit less judgmental of Peter. The Bible tells us that Peter was a fisherman along with his brother Andrew and his partners, James and John. Before we go further, I want to clarify something. What's the difference between a disciple and an apostle? Have you ever wondered that? Well, according to quite a few different sources, basically, a disciple is a student, one who learns from a teacher. An apostle is sent to deliver those teachings to others. In other words, apostle means messenger, he who is sent. An apostle is sent to deliver or spread the teachings to others. So we can say that all apostles were disciples. 
but all disciples are not apostles. The Bible tells us that Jesus chose 12 apostles, but he had other followers who were disciples. Does that make sense? So, we're focusing our study on Peter, who was a disciple or a student of Jesus, but he was also one of the inner group of 12 apostles, who, as we will see, is sent out to teach others about Jesus. I think Luke explains this really well in chapter 6, verses 12 through 16. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he also designated apostles. Simon, whom he named Peter, his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor, unquote. In Mark's gospel, it says that Jesus's first words to Peter were, come, follow me. Interestingly, the last word spoken to Peter by Jesus, according to John, was, you must follow me. We're going to learn that Peter, while he may have stumbled along the way, never stopped following Jesus. Isn't that interesting? Even though Peter royally screwed up, he never stopped wanting to learn from Jesus. There's so much we can learn about following Jesus from Peter's example. The Bible makes it clear that while Peter went from being a fisherman to literally, as the Bible says, a fisher of men, you know, he still remained basically the same person. Imperfect, impatient, impulsive. But he also became a new person in that now he has new goals and new priorities and a new understanding of salvation. Peter was able to accomplish God's plan for his life, even though he himself remained an imperfect person with flaws, just like us. Peter, like most in his town, never received a formal education, and most likely he probably only spoke Aramaic. He probably didn't know Greek. He's a fisherman by trade who lived in the village called Bethsaida, which is also near the Sea of Galilee. And he worked on the fishing nets, we know, with his brother Andrew. And as I said before, he's in partnership with the sons of Zebedee, John and James. And what's interesting, it seems that perhaps both Peter and Andrew were followers of John the Baptist. We definitely know that Andrew was. And John, in his gospel, implies that both brothers followed the teachings of John the Baptist. I just find that so interesting. That means that these brothers were definitely searching for something, and they weren't just rough and tough fishermen, but also practicing Jews who were in search of the Messiah. They were looking. Seek, and ye shall find. 
Fishermen 2,000 years ago, honestly, not unlike fishermen of today. Their job's dangerous, and the phrase swear like a sailor, well, you know, that might have been applicable to Peter. Fishermen 2,000 years ago, traditionally uneducated, but not stupid. They would have had to be resourceful. They'd have to be skillful, not only in fishing, but in negotiating in the fish markets. They would need to get a good and fair price for their catch. I feel like the director, Dallas Jenkins, in the Christian series, The Chosen, he really has an interesting take on this. And have you ever watched the show Deadliest Catch? I love that show. And I think of these tough men as sort of being similar to the Apostle Peter. They're strong, they're stubborn, maybe a little rough around the edges, very physical, fearless, and maybe a bit impulsive. Well, <laughs> Peter's impulsiveness is demonstrated quite a few times in the Bible. One example that comes to mind is Peter's really quick on the draw when he cuts off the Roman soldier's ear in the Garden of Gethsemane. This is when the soldiers come to take Jesus away. So much for love thy neighbor. He heard Jesus' message of love for three years, but when push came to shove, Peter's go-to reaction is strike out with force and chop off someone's ear. According to Mark's gospel, which we know was the first gospel written, even though it's out of order. You know, we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but we believe Mark's was actually the first. So in Mark's gospel, and also in Matthew's gospel, Peter and his brother Andrew are the first disciples to be chosen by Jesus. According to Luke and John's gospel, Jesus had to ask multiple times before Peter followed Jesus. Bottom line, we know that Peter, whether being asked just once or multiple invitations, he honestly does drop everything and follow Jesus. Each gospel recounts how this happened a little differently, but Mark and Luke kind of share a similar fishing event, but Luke's account is in greater detail because that's what Luke does in his gospels. So I'm looking at Luke chapter 5 verses 1 through 11. And it says, One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, which is the Sea of Galilee, same thing, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, because remember, this is before he's changed his name, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I'll go let down the nets. And you can just imagine like the little eye roll here, like, okay, whatever, dude. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full, they began to sink. When Simon saw this, he fell at Jesus's knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and his companions were 
astonished at the catch of fish they had taken, and so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Unquote. And it seems from that gospel writing on that Peter and the others were constant companions of Jesus. As I said, Capernaum is a town in Galilee in northern Israel along the Sea of Galilee. Capernaum is the largest of 30 fishing towns around the Sea of Galilee. Most fishermen, and this is so interesting, they cast nets into the water to catch their fish instead of using a fishing pole. Certainly, you can catch more fish this way. And when they don't have a boat, the fishermen would actually cast nets from the shore. Can you imagine the strength it would take to throw a net out and then pull it back from shore? Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Fishing in the Sea of Galilee, what kind of fish do you think they catch? Mostly tilapia. And if you have ever heard of St. Peter's fish, that's tilapia. And they fish at night. The reason is the water temperature is cooler at night, and these fish, this tilapia, because it's cooler, they become more active at night, and they like to feed at night, and therefore, best time to catch them is at night. So we know that Peter, in addition to leaving behind this fishing business, he was married. How do we know this? The Bible tells us Peter's mother-in-law was healed by Jesus in their home in Capernaum. Okay, you might ask, did Peter's wife travel with them? We don't know. We know that women were included in the group that followed Jesus from place to place. And this is interesting. After Jesus's resurrection and ascension into heaven, you know, when they're starting to really go out on their missionary journeys, Paul talks about Peter and his wife. This is actually in Paul's letter to the Corinthians, his first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 9, verse 5. This is what Paul says. He says, don't we have the right to take a believing wife along with us, as do the other apostles and the Lord's brothers and Cephas. Okay, Cephas is what Jesus changed Simon's name to. Cephas means rock. We say Peter. So apparently, um, we learn from Paul that Peter's wife definitely traveled with him when he went on some of his missionary journeys. We don't ever read the name of Peter's wife. When Peter wrote his two letters, 1 Peter and 2 Peter, Peter describes in them sort of the ideal womanhood and wifehood. Perhaps his wife was the example he used. If not, I'm sure he got into a lot of trouble at home. Guys, here's a helpful hint. It's best not to describe the perfect woman unless she sounds an awful lot like your own wife. It seems that Matthew, Mark, and Luke all agree that Peter, for the most part, served as kind of the apostle spokesperson 
Whenever the disciples are listed, Peter is mentioned first. Take a look and see this for yourself. There's also four times in the Gospels in which what I'll call the inner circle of the apostles are alone with Jesus. The inner circle was Peter, James, and John, sons of Zebedee, and then on one occasion, Peter's brother Andrew is also included. What are these events? Can you think of them? First, we have Mark chapter 13, verses 3 and 4. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things happen? And what will be the sign that they are all about to be fulfilled? Unquote. Then we have when Jesus raised the daughter of Jairus, he took Peter, James, and John into the room, but he wouldn't let anyone else follow except her parents. And this is where Jesus brought back to life the little 12-year-old girl who was dead. And this story is told both in Mark and in Luke. Next, we have Peter, James, and John witnessing what we call the transfiguration of Jesus. This is told in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And if you're not familiar with this story, it is incredible. It's a vision that Peter, James, and John saw of Jesus as the true King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And it's this special vision of revelation that these three are able to see Jesus's divinity. And God is affirming everything that Jesus has been doing. <laughs> and it's funny because Peter's credited with saying something that's pretty amusing. In the vision, they see Jesus with Moses and Elijah. Moses and Elijah from the Old Testament. And so Peter, seeing this, he immediately wants to put up three tents for them, sort of like creating a visitor's attraction. He's rushing ahead thinking, this is so cool. Let's put up tents so that people can come and see this and believe. Peter, the man of action, sometimes had a hard time with chilling out and just worshiping and reflecting. Boy, am I convicted. I probably would have done the same thing. Can't you just imagine Peter's calculating, oh my gosh, we could charge admission and people can come and see you in all your glory with Moses and Elijah and then they have to believe you. Well, we also have this trio, this inner circle with Jesus during that agonizing experience in the Garden of Gethsemane, the night before Jesus' crucifixion. We're told that the disciples went with him, but Matthew tells us that Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him a little bit further to pray. And then we're told later that Jesus scolds Peter for sleeping. Oh, Peter. 
In next week's podcast, we're going to take a look at Peter's attempt to walk on water, his confession of who Jesus is, his denial of who Jesus is, and the background behind his new name. In the meantime, I want to leave you with this thought. Peter was a sinful man. He was an impulsive man. He was brash and probably not very PC. But he followed Jesus unceasingly. He knew his shortcomings. Peter knew he was unworthy. But Peter became a part of Jesus' inner circle. Are you a part of Jesus' inner circle? How much time are you willing to spend with Jesus this week? What are you willing to give up? Have a blessed day.